this is how we stop. <laughs> we chat shit, then cut it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's all that's going to be plaguing my mind. Really. Hmm. Yeah, what's so. your hot takes on Ariel? <laughs> Beyonce. What are you saying? Welcome, guys. Welcome. What's going on? Good to see you guys, man. Been a minute. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a new episode of Black Guys in a Box. We're in another box. Upgraded. We've upgraded. upgraded. We've upgraded. Yeah. We've re-upped. In the words of uh, Stormzy's Instagram story from the other day, we're going up in the world, baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> going up in the world, baby. You've got soundproofing in it. This is all right. It's amazing when you don't have to pay for Kofi's food budget, what you can afford. <laughs> <laughs> we can't send shots at a man. No, he's, he's... Yes, we he's, can. He's, okay, fine, fine. Open season. <laughs> he's gone, but not forgotten. No creaky tables up in here. You'll all be enjoying that. Really you stand up. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I could stand up anyway. But <laughs> yeah, you fuckers didn't. <laughs> Shout out uh, the lab studios, Byron and Drew. Yeah. Um, putting us up today. Uh, we're recording early doors as well, eh? No yak on the table this time. <sighs> Seriously, early. Too early for you. Yeah. yeah, even for me. <laughs> uh, I think you'll find it's been uh, it's been a it's been a rough few weeks. <laughs> so it's quite nice. <laughs> quite nice to. Not have to yak. We uh, obviously we're post Glastonbury. You guys have got to talk about this southeast corner because I've only heard oh, about it. Yeah, so Glastonbury. What is it? Before. Have you been Glastonbury before? Nah, nah, nah. I was, so what? What's this southeast corner? How do, how do you start? It's it's just it's the weirdest, wildest, most crazy place. In your, it's basically a festival within a festival. It's where you go. You've got all the house. It's basically where everyone goes at night. Yeah, yeah. As soon as the main stages are done, that's where everyone piles into. Right. And it's just, it's it's something <laughs> I else. I can see it in it's your like, face. It's like the man. size of a love box or something. Yeah. Wow. In one corner of Glastonbury, mm -hmm. where you've got all these ridiculous stages. I mean, there was what, what was it, the icon stage, yeah. where it's just like. It's that big head. Yeah, this huge yeah. head sculpture. They've got this gas tower where you've got like screens around you, 360. You're in this really tight space. You've got about three, 4,000 people. It's just, it's it's wild. <laughs> like the, size of, the size of the arenas. Like, Glastonbury's amazing. I've, I've been twice now, and it's amazing because you can have like a Glastonbury for everyone. You can have a Glastonbury mm. for old people. You can have a Glastonbury for like kids. You see, you get points of kids running around, families. Like, no matter what you do, like you've got the hippie bit and like the healing mm. fields, and the, it's, it's got there's a heavy politicized elements. So they have like yeah. speakers, so you could go and just only listen to like spoken word acts and mm. like take part in debates and roundtables and stuff. And then there's like you've got your the glass that everyone knows, it's like the other stage, pyramid mm. stage, yeah. um, West Holtz, and then. What they have is it starts to get. <laughs> it starts when for the people that like to party, you then have um, you uh, you've got Arcadia, so which used to be yeah. a spider, but this year was, they changed it. So for the first time, it was like it was, it was a like crane. It was a crane which like that's just breathed fire out. It was so hot. I mean, you can there. paint it any other way you want. It was yeah, a crane. It was a crane, and then it's like you're like, oh, and Annie Max is DJing inside that crane, Mark Ronson. And then it just gets, and then like from there, that's probably the midpoint. Like, yeah. That's sit, I love that that's the midpoint. Well, that sits. Having fire shot at you. Genuinely. Yeah, that sits between the two. And then after Arcadia, you have the southeast corner. Now they, they put also everything known in as the, the naughty corner. Yeah, yeah. They put everything in the naughty corner because it's just far away. You're not going to have kids. It's a good walk, isn't it? It's like yeah. a good 20 minute walk, like on a clear, on yeah. a clear with no traffic. But obviously, after. The main stage is finished, like about twelve o'clock, twelve thirty. If you're not in sort of Glade or Spaceport, which is the dancey bit, like you're going southeast corner, and like Dom says, it's a festival in a festival. You've got Block Nine and Shangri La, the two main areas. So, like you've got like the temple. It, so the temple is 
these imagine. all sound like these all sound like kind of street drug names. Shangri La. I'm on that Shangri La. I'm on the Arcadia, bro. Your temple. WMD. Why? Because it will literally mass destruct your ass. Shout out David Simon. Come on, come on the pod. Yeah, 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 yeah. So basically, you got the temple. You go inside it, and it's it it looks. Pretty much when you go from first century, like any club, big dance floor, like thousands of people around, and you'd start to notice sort of loads of lights around the side, and you look up, and it's like you're inside the Coliseum, mm. and it's just like like over a thousand people like stood and sat and just raving. It's it's absolutely insane, and that's just one thing. You got NYC Download, which is like a sort of I think it's you a, could be sober as a judge and, and you trip it in balls. Yeah, yeah, it's like a, it's the thing. Like, <laughs> it's a, and also. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, <laughs> moving swiftly on. I'm um, <laughs> um, if you if you pay five pounds, you can get the extras from this podcast. Where we <laughs> exactly what we did. Um, speaking of exactly Dom, what Dom. we did, Don, talk about Stormzy and kind of what it was oh, like being Stormzy. there. That was wow. I mean, honestly, when I heard that Stormzy was actually headlining, mm. I was pretty indifferent right from the get go. I was mm. like, I like Stormzy. I've seen him before. Mm-hmm. He's a good performer, mm-hmm. but not exactly what I was thinking about as a headliner for Glastonbury. Mm. And this went all the way up until maybe like the week leading up to it. Yeah, And you could see the hype that he was starting to build, how excited he was, how nervous he was. Then my perspective started to change a little bit. And honestly, the way that he attacked that stage, Mad. it was something else. Man. I've watched it, it three or four else. times, man. Like, I've never seen anything like it. I was at the end of the show, so we were... We had an, ama- an amazing vantage point because we were pretty much in between the two sound, st- sound tents yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're pretty much directly in front of the stage but far enough back to see everything. Yeah. And there was this old woman, maybe about 70 years old, 75 years old, stood just to our left. She was feeling it the whole set. The whole set she was feeling it and I went and spoke to her afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Because I was hyped. Everyone was best friends because of how much she smashed it, man. <laughs> and she was saying, I've genuinely been coming to Glastonbury for like 25, 30 years. And I've never seen anyone with as much stage presence as him. Yeah, it was unbelievable. The set, the way that he managed to bring in political themes, the way that he he, talk, he talked about the um, the ballet dancers and the ballet shoes. What a moment! It was man. it was unbelievable, spectacular to see him as well for the majority of the time on stage by himself. It was just unbelievable, man. It was it felt like a seminal moment, not for black people in Britain, but young black people in Britain mm. that were actually starting to get their voice heard. Being able to come from nothing and you're now on the biggest stage on the planet because I mean it has to be the most, uh, the most hype stage in the whole world, the pyramid stage at Glastonbury. He even he had, said it himself, didn't he? He was like, yeah. "This is going to be the biggest moment of my career." Mm. He had the young, the young girls, all the, yeah. the young yeah. girl dancing yeah. as well. Which she was unreal. He had um, what was a nice surprise for me was Riley Ritchie, man, because I love, I love his music. I love you know yeah. what he's about, and he just he nailed it with the performance. Mm. And just I think one thing that really struck me from his his whole performance, his whole set was his humility, man. Yeah. Like he just brought, he paid homage to those that had come before him. Was it like 64 artists? <laughs> that was mad. Shout, and, which is crazy. Like how, when has that ever happened? Yeah. Um, he gave the, artists a name in the mainstream that would never get the name never, spoken about otherwise. You know, mm. you, Unknown T and yeah. all these other guys, you know, that we're familiar with because it's the music, it's the kind of music we listen to. But yeah, it was just crazy. I, I remember watching it and um, Laura, my girlfriend came home and I was just sat there, man. Mm-hmm. sat there just absolutely shell-shocked like that was incredible yeah and it was something which you know i think 
I could relate to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was like he paid homage to all the grand music I used to listen to, mm. going to school, going to training on the bus. Some of the videos that he Some had as well. Oh, my days. It, um, it's when he did, um, what is it? Bad Boys. Yep. And he's like, Ask Carlos. <laughs> and it's just like such a classic moment, man. If you know your yeah, exactly. if you know your stuff, you know that video. Yeah. And, yeah. I was a fucking bad boy in jail. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was just, it was just, it was insane. And yeah, like I say, Laura came home and I was just like, sat there thinking, this is mad. Well, I had one of those moments during the set. So towards the end, I can't remember what track it is, but he had uh, the gospel choir on for a couple of the tracks. And there was a moment where the lead singer, she was really going for it. And I just turned around to the boys and I was like, yo, like you just had to take a second because it was it was unlike anything. You know, when you get that fresh and where everything is standing on end, it's just, it was it was unbelievable. One of the best things I've seen. And as well, as much as I did start to get into the hype a few days before, even up to that day, I was like, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Stormzy. I'm looking forward to seeing Stormzy, mm -hmm. but that was about it. Yeah. We, we'd spoken about this because I, I have to admit here, I'm, I was a scab. Right so I went shock. <laughs> I, 20, 2017, I, I was last customer and he did the other stage. And then it was like, that was a coming out alone for him because he mm. didn't even have, he didn't even have, like he, his album had only, it's only just come out then. Yeah. So he, mm -hmm. like he didn't have much to, and the, the performance then I was just like, oh my goodness, mind blowing. Spent the rest of my weekend in VIP convincing people I was his manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If so you were like, in that VIP was... and you interacted with Dan, get in touch. <laughs> yeah. You are a friend of the podcast. Um, but yeah, so, I, I, so I'd said I'm not going to see him this time because purely because he was against Tame Impala. I love Tame Impala and yeah, yeah. I've been wanting to see, I've seen something a few times. We're talking about wild takes. <laughs> no, 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 I'm with him on this, honestly. I'd want, like, I thought this is, I, I might not get this chance again. The amount of people so, that we spoke to on the, on the lead up to that day, so from like Wednesday, Thursday, that was the one that had everyone split. Tame Impala or Stormzy, and I think that's a tough one as well because Tame Impala. No, it is because Tame Impala are one this of those. This is wild. It's not. It's not. This is so wild. Tame Impala are one of those bands which draw fans from all kinds of different audiences, mm -hmm. and that's when you have those two guys going up against each other. Honestly, because I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> you see, we've got that oh. <laughs> Big man, soft voice. You know, I'm <laughs> to the left. <laughs> Honestly, man. So that was that was wild. It was an unbelievable night. Really, really good. Look, I've, I've, I, I was. I don't want to say I was physically in the room, but I've been following Grime since it started. Like yeah. I was, I was on Wiley from like. Oh, there's you go. Yeah, all right, all right, all right, young boy. Like, I see my hairline is strong. But I've been like from when Wiley was on pay as you go, and it was kind of like, yeah, I'll go Stratford Rex. Like, like, why? So I can feel frightened and hope I don't get my shit took. Um, <laughs> but what I will say was like, for me, like, I like Stormzy. It's not like I don't. I wouldn't put him up there as like the like, just as a lyricist or anything in terms of one of the greats. But Agreed. what what made it kind of real for me was seeing my twelve year old nephew who'd kind of like negotiated staying up to watch the mm. set, kind of just there, just bopping his head. And my sister yeah. sent me a video of it. And I was like, this is why it's important because it's like to be honest, I'm past that stage where something's like important for me. I kind of feel relatively settled and mm. c content and comfortable with who I am but mm. for somebody for my nephew to be able to go actually that's that's a big thing that's yeah. a huge thing um and I think that that's where the value is is like not not for the generations below us where it's like hold on a second I can 
It's like the Black stadium. Panther of Glastonbury, isn't it? Yeah. In fact, it's so one of those all these moments, people that are growing up right now and they've seen someone that looks like them headlining. And it's not just that he looks like them, he's he's got the same upbringing as them. So Hold your Black Panther take, so I'm, we're going to circle back around to that. Oh, I can't wait. On. I can't I wait for it. this. Um, and I'm not even going to talk about some spicy takes that Mr. Cho had. Um, but no, um, yeah, no, I think that the, the Stormzy thing was Stitch. massive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say, yeah, um, just, yeah, so sorry to, to wrap that up. There's just a, a few of the sort of highlights from Glastonbury. Like, it's always good, I think. The best thing about Glastonbury is seeing someone on a small stage and then seeing them like come through. So, yeah. Stormzy, which you're talking about him, that's a fantastic example of that. And so, just to wrap up the Stormzy thing, I, I, I view him as an artist. Uh, I look at him the same way I look at Skepta, where I mm. think his importance as an artist is more important than the music he's making. Yeah, Bang on. What he's, because the genre that they do, he's, I mean, he's, he's a rapper, he's, he's dabbling in a bit of crime, but he, you need these big standard bearers who so mm. they've got big backs and they can bear a big load and they can, they can speak truth to power. And then mm. underneath that's where you get the artists who ultimately going to end up being better but they you know they need that sort of exposure yeah. and they need that sort of mm, that space in the light so it's, you know it's it's great to see them move and up I but think you've, you've said it there <coughs> this idea of speaking truth to power we live mm. in this a time now where you know you look at the new, turn on your new, the news and you're like for fuck's sake you know you read the newspaper for fuck's sake here's Stormzy who could have quite easily self-indulged mm -hmm. you know what I mean made something of it for him yeah, and what he did on that stage, the mm. messages he was sending, the way, the quality of the message he was sending. Yeah, um, it's just it was, it was one of those moments where you go, shit, so it can be done, and yeah. you know, exactly. you don't have to just be on that stage and these, rapping these, this and rapping that. These, you can give access, you can tell stories that won't be heard, you can yeah. you know do these things. I mean, they're they're getting so big now. These artists that like they can, you can get. A young white man, a boohoo man deal within a, within a day. Fam, he was on a Lambo the next you day. Can, you can get him on Good Morning, Good Morning Britain. He was in Jungle, one of the nights in Newcastle, like the week after. Are you serious? He did a PA, bro, and that's when I was like, I'm done with this place. The, the only Newcastle. thing I would say yeah, is that obviously very slick of Santa and Dave to get somebody out, and obviously the guy took his moment, but I, I was deeply uncomfortable when yeah. he was being lauded on like. GMB, by Piers Morgan, Piers Morgan. Yeah. it's like hold on a second you're the same was, guy who was trying to say a black I mean is drill music killing is like yeah but I, I, I wasn't uncomfortable because I, I don't expect any more of those from those outlets I, I, yeah. I don't mm. expect any more whatsoever I was more looking sideways at like some of the outlets and some of the people like putting them up promoting it saying oh well, it, like, isn't this incredible I was like oh I can see where this is going this, mm. this, this is this is very predictable for me it's another Wildstone Raider that's like it well, you see what happened to you had he's um, going to go do his PAs get his little deals and then he's mm. going to disappear into the no. into had, the into the mire AJ Tracy having to sort of come on and defend himself not so long ago he, he, I ended up having like a, mm. he's had to set at like 2am 2, 2 in the morning did yeah. you see that somebody I didn't but yeah so yeah so to to wrap up, so circle back to Glastonbury. Slow tie, shout him out. He Slow came tie, he's going to be on a biggest. I mean, he was on the West Holt stage, he's, but he's he's going for that pyramid. Man. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah. different. He's supporting um, Liam Gallagher on his tour, so he's going to get new exposure to all the sort of yeah. all the all the dads in cagoules. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they'll do. I think he'll do really well because he's, obviously he's got punk elements to what yeah, he yeah, does, yeah, yeah. and he's got he's just a really funny. I think funny he's dude got Mike too. Skinner as the guy behind him as well. He, he knows himself. Yeah. He knows himself so well, and I'm yeah. really right that way. Came out in his pants to do to do the gig, and then the, the stage was too hot, so he, he just stopped the show and made someone get him some socks. <laughs> so he just did it in his socks and pants. 
That was honestly one of the best moments there, I swear to God. It was absolutely outstanding, but yeah, so he was a, he was a real highlight for me. Will Sims as well. I mean, we only caught half of our show because we went to see Dave afterwards. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Come on. If Emily Evis, please do not schedule two of our greatest together like that. Like, literally no. overlapping by half an hour. It was ridiculous. Thankfully, the stages were only short, uh, stand mm. throw away, but... Little Sims was shelling it. Yeah, absolutely shelling it. And another example of someone that I saw who drew in who drew in fans that I didn't expect to see there. Yeah, I was stood next to a middle-aged white bloke, and he was telling me about how he's missed half of her set, but it doesn't matter because he's going to go see her in November anyway. And I'm just like, this just isn't what I expect, but it yeah, shows yeah. just how much that sound these guys are really, really growing in the UK. Because mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I've said this before. She is the shining light of UK MCs. Yep. She is unbelievable. She's the Rhapsody of the she, UK. Well, I mean, she is. She is someone that is head and shoulders above most of her competition, but just doesn't get her flowers. Yep. And she really, really did well. She's had, a, I think, a three-piece band on with her as well. Cool. Killed it. Uh, yeah, that's the, that's the good. That's the good thing with with Glastonbury is like you because of the crowd, it, the demographic it draws. You're gonna get people to who see things like they you wouldn't necessarily expect to yeah. see. So you know, I saw the idols and I watched the Cure. I'm not really into wait. I'm not, they, I'm not they, a fan of the Cure, well, but they were well, all right. Well, they were all right. There's no reason to not be. They've got they've got the catalogue. <laughs> they've got a catalogue. I'm sure they have. They were headlining the Sunday night. The legend slot. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about the legend slot, do you see Kylie? Lord have mercy, no, I I've came never in at seen the end. a crowd like it. I came in at the end. In my yeah. life, there must have been yeah. 200,000 people there. Honestly, it was like Woodstock. I saw <laughs> it, the thing. Was it was like Woodstock. They were back to the top of the hill. because I. You couldn't move. I'd been there at the beginning. I was like... Guys, this ain't gonna work for me, really. So, (laughs) (laughs) but they were the people. I was like, fair play to you, fair play to you. Like in in the heat. After two or three nights in the north, she was a bit of. She was just after Janet. eh? It was Janet into Attenborough into Kylie. Oh, what? Janet Janet was on the Saturday. I can't can't remember. No, it was. um, I think it was some ABBA thing. Oh right. (laughs) That's that's why I wasn't there from the start, man. But that was that was wicked. But yeah, so it's, you know, it's class. But I think we should, like uh, Angela, you were saying, it's not your type of thing. But I, I genuinely think if you can get around that, the the, the accommodation side of it, mm. mate, you'd thrive in that. You would genuinely thrive. One quick note. How did you survive, Dom? Yeah, so I I was a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so what I did, and, and I told you about this, so don't judge me, listeners. I found some portaloos just off site for like a 15-minute walk away from where we were camping. Yeah, yeah. And most of these Oyimbos are used to actually. <laughs> if you'd have seen a long drop, if you'd have seen a long drop, right? <laughs> man, man was in and out of hospitality. Don't. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're used to this, but you're you used gotta, to. You gotta, I am not. You got, I am you, not used you to this. Need the hospitality I took one look in a long drop. I, I, took, Oyimbo, you know. I took one look at a long drop. Oh. One look at the comp. Have you seen what happens with the compost toilets? I'm not getting it. You can see. Look at look this, at my look face. At this, but you can't. Look at my face. <laughs> you go in there with a cup of compost, right? And the person who's been in before you, you're looking down at their shit in the compost seat. You can't, you can't miss it. And I went in there one time and I was like, no, this isn't going to work for me. So <laughs> I just went and had a little look. I was like, right, I must be able to find something better. And those portaloos were untouched. They got a bit frowsy towards the end because the sun was hot yes, that weekend. Yeah. Man's just been literally to Africa and he's and he's <laughs> and now he's acting brand new. He's acting brand new and he's like he'll he'll, he'll you know, I'm surprised he's not coming in a dashiki. Because that is so yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yesterday. The most Afrocentric, like, you know, <laughs> nag champer. And he's acting brand new about some toilets, mate. Behave. Man, I'm, Behave. I'm not built for that kind anyway, of stuff. Anyway, I'm sick of this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move this on. Moving on swiftly. Yeah. So, yeah, as a wrap up, Glastonbury, going to go again? Yes, absolutely. If we can confirm that weather's going to be the same, because I'm not sure I could do Mate, it. Mate, I'm ten, ten days, ten days sun confirmed. <laughs> confirmed. As as Attenborough said on the stage, right? It's getting out, lads. <laughs> Stop. It's getting out. Stop using plastics. Paraphrase. This is the only Basically, line that's Cliff's. It's a Cliff's warming. notes. <laughs> it's a Cliff's notes of the last three years of Attenborough's career. It's getting out, lads. Stop throwing plastic. And uh, but Glastonbury's yeah. gonna be lit. Yeah. Stop leaving the fridge door open. You, you animals. You. Um, this. Yeah. So, first topic. Um, Disney, as well as uh, taking over the world. Uh, they are hashing out remakes at a rate of knots. It's mad. It's <sighs> unnecessary. It's real mad. Oh, mate, you've got to get that paper. Listen, got real got, of creativity in this world right now. Listen, mm. it's easier to just, you know, recycle those old narratives. One, one thing I will it? say, though, as well, Disney was a huge thing when we were kids. It was mm-hmm. a huge part of growing up, all these movies. I mean, we were watching films that came out. On videotapes and that. Yeah. yeah. Nowadays, I speak to these kids. Ten. My little brother, for instance, right? My little brother was born in 2001 and he has never seen Toy Story 1. He's barely seen Lion King. So there's a lot of kids right now. It's really It's going to be their, us, yeah, but, but it's, it's their first experience, them, yeah. yeah. But so, no, I'm not going to let you get away with that. I mean, that's I'm not, not my take I'm on not, it. Yeah, but I'm not letting <laughs> anyone get away with that. It was out, it happened before I'm alive, so therefore I don't have to do the work. No, that is, that's emblematic <laughs> why these kids are such a mess. Youngsters, these 20 something. You can't let people get away with that. You know, oh, dude, you, for someone like that, you, that was that was a small take. Come on, ugh. You, you, you love music, and uh-huh. because you love music, you got your way to go back How and you find, a, a, you find a a samples. And eh? how are you gonna do that as a six-year-old on your iPad? They're raising themselves. Are they raising themselves? Are they? You know what I mean? Are they making their own dinner? No. So I mean, we've got we've got we've got to be better people. If you can't be yes, brother Dan. If you can't be bothered to show your child the original Toy Story, you shouldn't have had the kid. Piece of shit, basically. Oh wow! Say that. I'm just. You just, banging film. Steam, yeah, these takes yeah. are well, you don't like Toy Story. I'm not calling somebody a piece of shit if they haven't let their kids see it. Uh, let the kids live. You need um, this kind of stuff growing need up, to man. See it. You need that imagination. Do you, do you, you just need to calm down. Now. You know how that it, speaks to a child? Because they think that the, the toys are alive anyway. If you show them a movie where the toys are alive, they're living. Now show your kids bloody Toy Story. You've forgotten about that BBC bag. It's got to stop being so wild. <laughs> <laughs> Can't keep paying for these studios. Like this. <laughs> Trying to climb out of this. Goodness me! That guy's gonna stay in a box like that. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah! Gonna put that black guy back in the box. Um, yeah. yeah. He's like talking grief. real spicy about one of our sponsors. Absolutely. Um, imagine if you had a Disney sponsor. Holy! Oh, so, I think take what's that. been really interesting is that there seems to be this new thing where something gets made. Uh, they'll make a change in the source material normally by having a person of colour in a role that they weren't in before. Mm. And then the, 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 what, what, you get, what you get told is that there's a backlash and then there's the backlash to the backlash. And obviously with um, Halle Bailey being cast as Ariel, there's been apparently a backlash. Now what's interesting is I spend way too much time on Twitter, probably second Snap. only to you, Dan. And uh, so that's, I'll take that. Yeah, it's, 
Uh, at copycat Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will. If you slide into my DMs, I will send for someone. Any of your enemies. Um, watch out, Wiley. But I. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I was squashed. Yeah, yeah. Hold tight, Wiley. <laughs> um. um <laughs> but the. To, <laughs> you guys. But the point is, is that I spent a lot of time on Twitter. I didn't see any backlash. All I saw was people responding to the backlash. And I think that, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about Disney, but there is something to be said about social media, and there's this fundamental misunderstanding of what the function of social media is. Twitter started off as 140 characters, now it's 280. There's no nuance in it. What Twitter is, is a get your take off, and then kind of have people who kind of, you know, virtual signal and boost and kind of get it. It's not there for anything more than that. And, yeah. you know, I said, I, I, my belief is that, it, that Twitter is the vine of written social media. It's not there for anything long. And now I, TikTok is the modern vine. That, that, that yeah. terrifies me, that whole thing. All these, all these things. I get the adverts on YouTube, but yeah. Um, so, like... And I think that if we talk specifically about the Little Mermaid and the Halle Bailey casting, like, so t I want to put this up front before I say stuff that sounds maybe a little bit wild. I don't, <laughs> no, I don't have an issue with colorblind casting. I celebrate it. And I think you sh we should extend that to other professions. We should have colorblind hiring when it comes to CEOs and people behind the camera, which I'll get to. But I can understand why people have an issue when someone like Disney is taking an established IP and then changing it. I can understand that. I can understand, because I could, I could understand if there was a backlash, if they did a live action Moana and cast a, an African-American in the lead role, because that's meant to be a Polynesian tale. And I, for me, I can understand why people would say this isn't right because it's, you know, Moana is just as fictional as Ariel is. Um, and I could see that if they did that, that there would be some trying to hail it as a diversity win, where actually it's not. It's like you, you, you're you're making exactly the same point. And I don't. I think that a live action remake of a classic with characters that have an established look and then make them different. I can understand from a nostalgia point of view why people would be upset at that. Mm -hmm. And also Disney uh, boxed themselves into a corner because with a lot of their live actions, what they're doing is, they're trying to say, like, we're doing a shot-for-shot shot remake. That's one of the things that they've yeah. said with The Lion King. Mm. So if you're going to do that, then may, you're clearly trying to hit that nostalgia thing. Don't try and score cheap kind of social justice points yeah. by yeah. casting somebody who's biracial. It's basically, yeah, them going, oh, yeah, by the way, yeah. look, 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 look what we've done. Look what we've got. Yeah. But like, you're a big advocate of this, uh, Angelo, and I think, like you were saying, the more important thing in these, with... with with like movies and television and music as well, like the real sort of diversity wins are when people from uh, minority backgrounds are making the films, yeah. they're getting the crafting the stories. Being mm -hmm. like, I mean, if you, uh, I, I, I like all black people on my screen, but I'd be more impressed if they were like, if they were making all the films, it's like yeah. football clubs, black players. Mm bothered with Arsenal's put out like full black 11s whatever no one cares because it's just you know where's it's, the black it, ownership it's, it's the, basically yeah. it's based on ability and Managers. no matter what your beliefs are if the best if you're winning a football club and the best players are all black you're going to get them all awesome. however when you've got a choice and you can have coaches and the managers and they're in positions of power 
it's you, it's then a different thing to hand the reins over and say, mm. okay, go, you mm. run yeah. my team, you run my franchise. And that's when you sort of start to see that you've, it, it's, it's a sort of tangent, but you've seen with the talk of this sort of Rooney rule yeah. and you see people, you want to talk about backlash, there's mm. backlash yeah, against that. Pop, yeah. But that's because it's, uh, it, that person's then got control do you want to just explain what the Rooney so the rule, Rooney rule is? is? They've got it in American football where they a, a certain they've got to interview is it one one, one uh, black or ethnic minority applicant for all coaching vacancies yeah. at NFL teams, and that's all. They just interview. They've just, got to, they've just got to be on the on the interview list. Yeah, and that's it. That's all. That's all. There's got to be, and they've just said they're going to introduce it into. Uh, football mm. yeah. in the UK and the, everyone's like oh well it should just be on uh, on merit, be on merit. <laughs> yeah, it should be on merit and yeah, all black people are like we agree <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like why we, we all yeah, yeah we all, we all, we all on the same page it's yeah. like oh yeah but how would you feel if you if you like if you showed up and you knew that you just you were only there because of because uh, you had to be included on the shortlist. Let me tell you a story about that. Uh, <laughs> very quickly, I, I remember going for a job interview um, at a school, and um, I was one of four people there, and it was quite clear that they, that when you, I was talking to the other candidates uh, before, and I was like, oh, okay, so this guy's getting the job. He was a guy that had a young family, he was in his early 40s, and he'd, he'd already bought a house and moved to the area in the hopes of getting this job i was like okay so and then i thought well because they do ask you to put down ethnicity and i and i put it down so i was like okay i'm i think i'm the diversity candidate here mm. um and so i i kind of it, it was really good because i knew very early in the morning that i'm you know i'm not going to get the job they've kind of mm. there's there's a promise been made and i had a really good day and they didn't um say who got the job for about three or four days and then um, the head of a school called me and said, you know, it was really difficult. It was split down who p the people wanted to hire. We've eventually decided to go with this other guy. But then he offered me another role and said, mm, we're, nice. we're really keen to have you. Uh, it would be as a kind of normal teacher, but we would be really keen to kind of put you through the yeah. process. And I decided not to take it because my thing was I wanted to go the academic route. And mm. a guy who in his early 40s has just moved into a very prestigious school is probably not leaving anytime soon. Yeah. Mm. Um, but... I know that kind of getting into that spot and getting an opportunity to interview changed minds. I, I, I took something that was a cert and turned it into a three, four day discussion, which yeah. very rarely happens. So I'm not against it. Absolutely. But um, yeah, yeah, so I'm saying to return to sort of Disney, when, when these people, when the people in ethnic minority backgrounds are making these, these films mm. and making like these TV shows are behind the camera directing or producing and writing yeah. that's when you'll sort of see the the real sort of uh wins in sort of diversity rather than just to mm -hmm. like what can feel like tokenistic casting and i think that's that's it for me it's you know this debate around oh the 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 you know if you have whitewashing of characters and now we've got this you know mm. color washing of characters for lack of a better phrase and um for me, I'm just, I'm not interested. So mm. I, you know, I'm interested in, you know, Japanese anime. And when they cast um, Scarlett Johansson as mm. the main character in Ghost in the Shell, there was a bit, there was backlash there. But the thing for me was like, they're telling, they're telling a different story and they're not representing it. So therefore mm -hmm. I get a bit, I get wound up with that. Cause it's like, no, it's Japanese. 
the books are Japanese, everything's Japanese, and part of me wants to see a Japanese character in it because the voices I've heard in the subbed anime is that way, and it's just my experience of it. You on Reddit getting but, them off, weren't you? Uh-huh. You on you on Reddit <laughs> just letting them fly. <laughs> Um, do, do you remember but, was it the ghost yeah. ghost of Egypt where the director gods, gods of, of Egypt, Egypt where he was oh like I can't gosh. get Mohammed such and such and get the movie made it was like wow yeah. well, well, he was honest he was absolutely honest the day wasn't there where they were talking about why does it need to be a person of colour that's directed this film why can it not be a white person and Denzel said it's nothing to do with colour mm, it's about culture yeah. and I think the example that he used is if I speak to another black person in the room they're going to know the feeling of that hot comb when experience. you hear it on a Sunday morning yeah. it's living that life yeah. it's having those experiences which tells a lot more than the colour that you are and I think Rachel Dillard would have <laughs> she knows what it feels like and I think that's the other thing as well for me it's uh, the frustration with these Disney remakes and all this Disney's model is it's just profit we get it I know the game it's going to work it's yeah. going to sell but for me it's like where are these new stories coming from Ugh. you know what I mean and, and, and how can we elevate people to it in competition with these big houses because there is smaller indie houses in filmmakers and you can seek them out it's like anything you've got to work for it because there's so much out there now mm-hmm. but just in the mainstream it'd be awesome to see some of these newer like more complex stories right. you know the yeah. moonlights it's, of the world it's it's yeah I, 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 but do you know the problem with moonlight is though didn't make any money yeah, yeah. yeah. won an oscar but didn't yeah. make money we've yeah. got, we've, we've just got to get behind these things like we've still with the with the real sort of plus for small filmmakers was like get out is the obvious sort of success mm, yeah. story where people see it and then he's only well he's, he's an, an outstanding sort of filmmaker but people didn't it wasn't that like widely at the time like it was gonna be that much of a success but because it, it was Jordan Peele and yeah. like people be, the got early screeners it. were good people yeah. got behind it and then I think it shocked Hollywood at large a bit and he's gonna he's now gonna get to make stuff but then mm-hmm. he gets swallowed and he becomes part of like not he won't change his filmmaking mm-hmm. but he becomes part of something else so he might not be able to get as many films off that is as he would have done before so in that space where he was the independent filmmaker Jordan Peele he's now moved out of that and who else yeah. is in that space now? Like, so it's uh, it's interesting bringing up Jordan Peele there as well because he he received a bit of a backlash recently because he said that he'd only ever cast a black lead. Blacklash. There we go. Blacklash. Black bang lash. bang. <laughs> and so many people again getting back to that culture. Name situation. of the episode. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, a lot of people were saying, "Well, how can you say that? Because these stories are so original. It can be anyone there." Yeah. So, but I'm sick of hearing and seeing a film where there's a white person leading it because I've seen that story a million yeah, yeah. I different hear times. One. I want to hear from a different perspective. I yeah. want to see it from a different perspective. And I, I, know, can, I, can I think more importantly, feel it. You, are, exactly, you know yeah. what I mean? You can, you know, people, especially when, what was it? I was watching Spider-Man in, uh, Into the Spider-Verse and Miles Morales is a character that I'm looking at it going, that's basically what I wish my life was like. <laughs> you know, I basically wish I was Spider-Man growing up and doing all these things and the way he was, you know, there's the scene where he's in his bedroom singing along to his music, and I'm like, that's basically me. Mm. And th- you don't get that when that person doesn't look like you, yeah. sound like you, or, or, or even, you know, remotely act like you. And I think that's the main thing for me. Also Disney as well. You I know. Stop bigging them up. They're everywhere. Uh, but the thing Spider-Verse is, yeah, you can't, you can't pick it? a fight with Disney. Oh, yeah, of course. You just can't My pick bad. a fight with Disney. Mm. Two fingers. Um, the last thing that I'll, I'll say on this is that with regards to the casting, for me, it's a non-story. I think that there, it's, it's beneficial to the film Official. for there to be a backlash. Uh, yeah. and Because then you have the backlash to the backlash. And then it becomes not about, you now have to watch the film because of the symbolic 
potential of it. Um, But for me, I think, you know, just the bigger thing for me is that um, what do Adrian Molina, Ava DuVernay, Ava DuVernay and um, Ryan Coogler have in common? They're the only three um, non-white directors of colour that I've seen in Disney films over the last eight to ten years. Um, You know, you've got Guy Ritchie, John Favreau, Tim Burton... Brad Bird, all great directors, not denying their greatness, uh, Guy Ritchie. Um, but whoa, <laughs> whoa. Oh, come on. does not reflect the thoughts and opinions of the management. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, that's the thing is like why, whatever you feel about Black Panther as a film, uh, it's dead. <laughs> Wild. But, I'm kind of with you, you know. <laughs> wow! No, it's no, no, no. But 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 it felt authentic mm. in in a in, in a way that an Afrofuturist text probably shouldn't because it's set in a, this magical country. Yeah. But I think that the importance of that wasn't necessarily people in in front of the screen, but the people behind the yeah, screen yeah, as well. Yeah, and their their kind of dedication to it, and that kind of is is you know Denzel pointed out that there's a cultural mm. thing. You know, even like the memes, like the what are those and the stuff like yeah, that yeah. is. I just it didn't feel like someone who'd gone, oh, I think th- this is what the people are doing. It's like, no, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think that's the importance of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, end of the day, Ariel, I've said this, Ariel's a fish. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> why are you taking time out of your day to get annoyed about that? Outrage cadets, a lot of them. fish from 20 years ago. Who, by the way, is like what fourteen? Like that's exactly. Kind of so why are you like? Behave. Why are people? If we really imagine waking it. up annoyed enough about that <laughs> to get online, people like I I I respect the hustle that like, your people are getting paid to write about that. Like you're getting yeah. get you. Know what I mean, that's awesome. Good luck to you. We'll stop. <laughs> we'll let you have a white aerial if you give us a black Jesus. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, that's hot take. That's, that's, that's not even a hot take. That's fact. That's, that's, that's fact. Do we want to stick with Disney and hot takes? Yes. Oh. yes. Okay. <laughs> Come on then. I'm Let's go. Come on. Just, let, just, just let me put my uh, my beekeeping suit on. <laughs> I am stepping away from the hive. It's the start of the end, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to. Can point- we just actually? Sorry, I've just realised we are pff, nearly like 40 minutes into this, and we've not said our names. So I want it to be very clear whose voices belong to who at this point. <laughs> yeah. So in the room we have on mic number one, Daniel Chiwa. You got Dom HT right here. You got Nate Sterling here, and you've got the soon-to-be-deceased Angelo <laughs> Irving right here. <laughs> we'll give Mike number four, Angelo the floor. Right, so Lion King's been talking about Disney remakes. Lion King's oh. been made. There's been a lot of kind of excitement. This is going to be the greatest film ever. I'm just going to point out that one of the leads is Beyonce, and to be clear, Beyonce is a very important person. Hold I think she- Queen B. She's the She is not a good actress. She is not a good actress. I went on Rotten Tomatoes just to, just to look at the films that she's been in and Epic it was a voiceover so I'm not going to kind of give her anything for that but Obsessed is one of the worst films I've ever seen. <laughs> how how are you going to how are you going to fuck up a film when Idris Elba's opposite you? And Dom's laughing, like, I, if I'm going down, I'm taking as many people with me. 
Dom's been feeding this flame. He he sent me he sent me a DM of a clip from Obsessed, and it's so awful. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. It's real. It, it's 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 real. <laughs> Um, the fighting temptations. Are no, we? I'm not, uh, no, 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 no. Be good and junior. Like he's a friend of the pod. Uh, are you sure that's what you want to be putting your allegiances right now? Right, right, right at this second. It, yeah. <laughs> he, he was a friend of the pod. <laughs> you want yeah, you want, I want to revise that take. Yeah, Cadillac Records. She tried to sing Etta James's songs. Is like stop it, stop yeah. it right now. What gold member? And the thing is, is like, for me, the one yeah, where it's baby. like, you know that she's not good is Dreamgirls. And here's what I'll say about Dreamgirls. Uh, Dreamgirls, was, Motown. Dreamgirls was made to get Beyonce an Oscar. Mm-hmm. It's a film about singing. And Jennifer Hudson blew her off the film. Yeah. To the point that I'm pretty sure the Bayhive kind of like sidetracked Jennifer Hudson's career because of it. Because she was so much better. Yeah, but but I'm not even talking about... Yeah, she's, but she's not interesting. So the career was never going to pop. She's pretty interesting. She's had a very interesting life. Yeah. I mean, yes, but she's is not... Beyonce really that interesting though? When you see her in interviews... Okay, okay, she's not charismatic. She's not very charismatic either. She, like When she gets on, on stage, the stage, she bodies it. Yeah, she is. But I mean, it, it goes beyond that. Yeah, but mate, it, it's... Jennifer Hudson wasn't really popping before that mm. she was she's just she's just got like she's she got an, ex, she's an exceptional no. exceptional voice and then yeah. i mean it's we'd be enough. here all day listing like yeah it's not enough it isn't but what i will say there's a scene at the end of dream girls and i remember watching it the first time and i didn't i to be clear i love dreams dream girls still watching it <laughs> i've watched it a number of times oh, it's like my mum's favorite film so when i go back no 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 but i'm not i'm not i'm not, I'm not complaining, complaining when she puts it on it's either that or like how Stella got a groove back for the 60th time. It's like, I mean, <laughs> I, I'll keep watching that. Like, wait Stella. Stella's like, wait. <laughs> no, no, stop not. playing the soundtrack from 95. <laughs> like, music's moved on. <laughs> oh, dear. But um, there's a scene at the end of that with Jamie Foxx where he they're sitting at a table and he's like, the reason I cast you is because your voice has got no flavor, no, no talent, only, except what I put into it. And she's meant to be upset and like, like angry and pissed off, and it just it felt really kind of first session of an amateur amateur dramatics class, Ooh. and it was it and was drum. it was it was Bang. bad. It was very very bad. Uh, and I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you that I'm I, I now to be clear, I haven't been to see it. I will go and see it. And if Beyonce's performance as Nala is I, fire, I will. Kind of, I will admit that on the next pod, but Beyonce, not a good actress. And we love Beyonce. She's love just not a great actress. Um, love, love is strong. Oh, Beyonce is an extremely successful musical artist is, is and that, cultural icon. Is that the time? No, no, she has yeah. done important <laughs> things. No, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give a bit of nuance. This ain't Twitter, guys. Like, she's extremely important. Like, and she's taken some incredible stands. Like the kind of what she did at the Super Bowl mm-hmm. um, formation and that whole thing. And her importance as a role model cannot be understated as a kind of unapologetically light-skinned black woman who is doing great things for the culture. Uh, and for, for different races, colours and creeds, she's she's a great role model for young women. With all that said, outside of her music records, her... Her, her music videos, her record as an actress you, is, is just, spotty at best. You, you just said she she can't sing, she can't <laughs> act. 
I didn't say she, she can't, can't sing. dance. Well, I did not say she can't sing. You, it sounded a lot. No, like I that. quoted what Jamie Foxx said no, the in next, the film. The next thing you uh, you went on to start talking about, like you can't sing, don't love her. <laughs> Not much love for the Play bee. It back. Play, <laughs> Play it back. Play wheel it back. Wheel it. Wheel it. This guy's we'll trying to get me legitimately yeah. killed. We'll let, we'll let the people decide. I've got a thousand <laughs> new followers and they're all Beehive. Yeah. I'm just being we'll let the people decide. What you need Why to do. Why don't you give back my address? Well, yeah. well, <laughs> when they all start following you, just take a screenshot of that. Send it, email that to a marketing company. Mate, you will walk into a, a head of marketing job the day after. <laughs> look at all this, look at all this engagement. All this. Here's a question I want to ask though on Beyonce, because obviously we we've heard about the Bayhive and how they like have genuinely ruined musical careers. Hold tight, Kerry Hilson. Um, mm. What valid criticism of Beyonce would her fans accept? None. That's a good it, question. It, they wouldn't. I don't think they would. I think it's. I think it's now become a. It's it's weird. It's become it, it, along with like stands. It's it's weird. So Eminem and Beyonce, the two as as artists, they've spawned Eminem's obviously song spawned like the word yeah. stand. You stand for an artist, and then the Beehive are like the sort of apex, yeah. the apex stands. And then you've seen like uh, Nicki Minaj. Her it's she's tried to sort of ape that as she apes everything that she's done ever, um, and. I don't think I think it's now got to a point where they wouldn't accept any wouldn't accept any criticism. I don't think I just don't no, think they would. So. Nothing's legitimate because I'm gonna ride or die for you. That's that's the, that's the way they sort of are, and you see that's becoming the way with a lot of things. Yeah, Disney need to they need to dead these remakes. Oh, they they won't because they make money. Ideas. But yeah, I say that. But I saw the trailer for uh, what is essentially Rambo Five. And it's one of those where you can always tell with these films, these action films, and they, it's the same with the fast, the fast, the fast franchise. They show you everything you need to see in the trailer, and yeah. I'm like, oh, I feel like I've seen a film. Now. <laughs> yeah, and I'm gonna see it twice. <laughs> yeah, Hobbs and, and Shaw. I'm going, man. That's the one. <laughs> that's the one. Man. When I saw that trailer, Yo. I thought it was a mini movie. Yeah, yeah. Because it tells you every yeah. single last thing that's they, gonna happen. But you're not going for the narrative. Well, it? this is it. They know exactly. <laughs> they're like, look, look, put it this way: the last fast film. They had a submarine, and I was like, the next what? one's going to have to be a spaceship. Did you not see that? I don't they watch had them anymore, They had a submarine. Man. I was like, the next thing, I'm going to have to get a spaceship. It's the way, and when they have that, I'm going to, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Vin Diesel and the gang down at Cape Canaveral <laughs> taking down some nondescript superhuman European Eastern European. Someone was using a car baddie. as a weapon to take down a helicopter. One hundred percent. I would like to point out that Transport Two did that first. That's not making it any better for me. The Rock just empty and clipped. He broke his. The Rock broke his arm and collarbone, ripped the cast off, and then just got down there. And then Vin Diesel drove the car the helicopter, hung the sorry these spoiler alert, hung the grenades on the edge of the helicopter, and then Jimon Honsu was in there with I believe he had a like a bleach blonde mohawk. Shout out Jimon Honsu. Good actor, badly utilized by Hollywood. <laughs> and then the rock, the rock with his one good shoulder was just emptying clips into the sky at this helicopter. Of course, he hit it. <laughs> I believe it. And I that, believe it. That was the worst movies in film history, man. It's just, dreadful. Talk but, about rinsing the sack. But, it does, but no, because it's going from strength to strength. Yeah. And it's good. Like, I, I don't like, make them good films. But this is nice episode continuity because, sorry, we spoke about. Um, John Singleton, like we say, mm. shout out to him for rebooting that, and they're making so much coin. Like you say, they should just they should break off at least two percent for his family mm. for each one of those because. Yeah. And now, yeah, now the Rock's hijacked the franchise. 
him and Vin Diesel. I will say Beef. that you know the the moment that I think turned the uh, Fast and Furious franchise was the chase scene in the airport. Where, they, uh, where they're driving down the runway. And mm. like that runway must have been like 25 miles long. Yeah. <laughs> but here's what I'll say. Try and get that through Heathrow. <laughs> <laughs> they bit that from the transport. The transport too has my favorite, not the best, has my favorite scene in a film ever. Jason Statham is driving along. It's a, it's they, the, so they stole the runway scene Hot from take. the transport too. No, it's, it's my favorite, it's his, not the best. Yeah, it's his favorite. Um, He's driving along trying to chase this car. Uh, trying to, he's driving along in a car trying to chase a plane. So first of all, hilarious. Um, and it gets to the end of the runway and all of a sudden the ramp appears that hadn't been there. <laughs> he drives the car up the ramp and it does this slow motion thing of the car Mario Kart, in the basically. air. It then kind of fades out and fades in and the next scene is Jason Statham climbing out of the toilet in the airplane. I was watching that on a way to a basketball match and when we saw that, like the whole basketball team were in the coach. We literally threw up our hands and cheered like somebody. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, yes, this is the best thing ever. It's the greatest terrible film of all time. <laughs> it was wonderful. So yeah, uh, hold tight the Transporter series nah, back it that up, has right. Jason Statham because then they did that one where they couldn't get him and yeah, then they put someone mm. else in. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it, they know what they're doing with these films. And like I say, just it's, so remakes aren't not, aren't necessarily a bad thing. Not necessarily a bad thing, but I think remakes of Give me a good one. Disney don't Jungle do Book. Oh, sorry, remakes are sequels, not Jungle Book remake is banging. Loved it. Go on, hold that glaze. Uh, well, I no, well, as I said to the guys, like we was, we had this conversation at work, and we were talking we were talking originally about the about this uh, new Lion King, and I said, "What's I said? What's the re- the what's it giving it? Is it giving it like four, three stars?" And then he said, there's a re- review, they're coming at four stars. And I said, well, to me, if you start with five star material and mm. you do a shot for shot remake, you've lost a star. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not seeing that. Yeah. yeah. What mm. are you doing? Fair. You've lost, mm. You've how have you lost a star on the way? Mm. How have you done that? We've And you've already got a fan base who are going to see it come what may. Yeah, yeah. So get that out of here. Sick of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, from... A struggle actress, but we're gonna sort <laughs> with a very talented sister. Without yeah, an outstanding sister, um, we're gonna sort of pause there, and unfortunately, we have to sort of move to uh, more serious, more serious topic, um, and music's Robert Kelly uh, has now been uh, additional charges. Against that man's name, hopefully, this, this is going to get this man out of here mm-hmm. for good. What's it going to take, man? Like honestly, what's it going to take? I'm really holding my mouth now. Yeah, I'm. The I, difference with these ones, I just get angry. Yeah. yeah, I just get angry. Like, what's it going to take? Like, we all. I remember growing up listening to his music and the rumors being around. Mm. You, there's the facts were around. They've been around for decades. Like I mean, for as long as I can remember, I was told that he was married to. Um, uh, Aaliyah 15 I mean you're talking about I would have been about 8 years old back then so we've known about this it's been it's not even been hidden in plain sight it's just been common knowledge for just as long as I can over. remember yeah. and still oh god it's 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 beyond horrific and you mentioned this before you know before we started recording you know you wrote what was it you wrote I wrote I wrote a piece last May uh, for my website blackunicorn.blog two fingers Four fingers, um, <laughs> and it was. It talked about how the real, because I, you know, I've 
styled myself the black unicorn or a black unicorn because there's so many of them. But I said the real black unicorns are, are black women, and the, the the last line was that the real black the real black unicorns are black women because uh, they like unicorns are invisible and there's no crime if they're invisible. And and it was my point that R. Kelly's been able to get away with what he's doing because he made his victims young black girls, mm -hmm. and there is just a lower value on them. Um, what I the hope that I have for this is that some of his enablers have also been arrested. Yeah. And this is something that needs to be kind of like, and it's interesting that it's happened the same week as Jeffrey Epstein, because one of the, my, one of my least favorite things on Twitter was kind of small sections of black Twitter kind of going, well, they talk about R. Kelly and Bill Cosby, but this is a this is racial. It's a witch hunt. And it's like, well, hold on a second. Jeffrey Epstein, uh, Harvey Weinstein. Mm -hmm. You know, this is this is a very interesting thing. Um, but I think what I'm particularly interested in the outcome of this, and what I'm interested to see on Black Twitter, and I think it was I want to give the correct shout out. I think it was Jamila Lemieux on Twitter said the reason that a lot of Black women defend R. Kelly is because they recognize in his behaviors things that have happened to them. Yeah. And so for them to condemn him would be to condemn their husbands, their brothers, yeah. their you know the male members of their own family. And mm -hmm. that's very difficult for a person's psyche to take, to kind of go, yeah. actually, I've been a victim. But yeah, uh, and, I, and I say this with all sincerity, fuck R. Kelly. Mm -hmm. Just... Mm -hmm. The man's taken taken so many shots. He's like he's made out of lead. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, at this point, the justice system cannot cannot give him what he deserves. No, cannot give him what he deserves. So it's it just it's just a hope that this is this is him done for, and the sort of system's going to work its way. But he through. still has, and and I don't understand. He still has so many supporters, yeah, I mean, even including with the latest allegations, with the documentaries. I was in a full blown argument with. Taxi driver to Heathrow Airport. We were stuck in traffic. So where were you for flying? Some time. Doesn't Mr. Matter. International. Doesn't what? matter. Doesn't matter. Mr. International um, playing with the passport. <laughs> are you done? <laughs> are you finished or are you done? <laughs> I, ain't gonna, I ain't gonna say no more. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. That's me for a second. So you're in the taxi. Sorry, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're in the taxi. And he's asking me, have I seen the documentary? I was like, yeah, explaining how I feel. So disgusted by it, although none of it is new to me, really. Mm. Um, and he was like, no, nah, I'm never going to stop listening to R. Kelly. He's a brilliant musician. They're just trying to take our black men down. And I was like, bro, have you not, have you not seen the news recently? Every other week, someone else is being brought into this, and deservedly so. And there are still a, lot, a hell of a lot of people, exactly to what you were saying, Angelo. We're used to seeing black men as victims we used to seeing black men being taken down but this is something completely different yep. completely different and i don't i really don't understand that perspective if someone if he did this to your daughter then let, let's look at it that way if your daughter was one of his victims would you still play no, his no, music no 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 we don't this is the thing i hate i hate, I hate simplifying it like yeah. that but sometimes it's, you need to for these kind of people because there is no other way that they will look at it it's he's the victim here he's the victim they're trying to take him down right okay now let's make it real simple for you do you still feel the we, same if we want to be really simple if we want to indulge in basic stereotypes nobody rides harder for black men than black women of course yeah nobody yeah, rides yeah. harder for me than my sisters and my mum there is just nobody and so when it's black women that are saying no this is messed up. Mm -hmm. You have to listen. 
Like they are the canaries down the mine. Like yeah. if they're telling you something, they're telling you something for a reason. Yeah. And the whole thing with R. Kelly is like, and we as a as a and certainly the generation before us, they've got a lot of questions to answer. Because as much as I love Dave Chappelle, and I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, I'm cancelling Dave Chappelle. I, mm -hmm. I've got a lot of love for Dave Chappelle. But when he does things like the piss on you video and the, and the whole thing and turns it into a joke, um, and then he had the other, he had the court sketch as well. You, I don't even remember that one. We have made it into a joke. And here's how ingrained it is. So my sister, my older sister is four or five years older than me. I remember her being 16 and me making a joke at like 11 saying, oh, it's a real shame that you're too old for R. Kelly. I remember making that joke at 11, that that was an acceptable joke that we both laughed at, you know? And I'm kind of saying, if, if we're creating an environment where an 11 year old has the like, knowledge and the perception to recognize that this is wrong and mm -hmm. that I, you can make a joke about it with no consequences, then again, it's, Get the guy, yes, but get his enablers yeah, of too. Yeah. And so when people like Erica Badu are coming out and defending him and Taraji Henson are coming out and defending him, it's like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. You would have been his victims. Of course. And so I just get really frustrated. It's like, how is this guy still out? Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and again, it's the answer is because his victims aren't important. That's, that's, that's the only thing it can be. Because if it was Becky with the good hair, he would have been in jail a forever long a long time ago. And... I'm not here for that, so. <laughs> but yeah, good. So it's pretty universal, and I think I can speak for all of us in saying, <coughs> we hope it is the end yep. of R. Kelly. <clears throat> so, yeah, as I mean, as well as Glastonbury, uh, people have been flying about all over the place. Some of us have been flying further than others. Mm. He's on that consultant bag. I've been busy a few weeks. Mr. International. Where, have you, where have you been? What'd it do? I just got back from Kenya. 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 Oh, what do, baby? What a place. <laughs> what a place. And for all those who are listening and can't see, um, if you remember Dom's signature jumper from mm -hmm. his trip, he is wearing it today in the studio. So there that we PJ go. Berkeley, baby. Swag. Hey, <laughs> hey. HBCU gang. Yeah. Uh, honestly. One of the best trips I've ever taken. I know Angelo was just saying beforehand that he's been over there as well. Um, this time, it's the first time in a while I've been on holiday with my family. Yeah. And Lord, I mean, so I've been to Africa a few times, but it's always been South Africa with work. And Loki flex. I mean, it's work. It's work, but it could be an office anywhere. Um, but it was difficult to describe to my family that it's feeling just of just an office in Cape Town. <laughs> Joburg. 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 It could be anywhere, so it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I get around, man. I get around. <laughs> All this salt flying my way now. Uh, but it's, it's difficult to explain, especially with the upbringing that I had, that my mother had, because she also grew up in a very, very, very white place. Um, it's difficult to explain that feeling of being somewhere where you are massively, massively in the majority for once. Mm. Um, and... It's very, it's very intangible. It's a feeling you get like quite deeply in your chest. It was amazing being able to experience that with my mother because it's the first time she'd ever been to Africa. Amazing. Um, and one of the first things that she said was it reminded her of the first and only time she went to Jamaica. And you're seeing people, and what really struck a chord with her is seeing people in a bank, for instance. All black. The security guard's black, the teller's black, the bank manager's black. Seeing that is, is pretty remarkable. Um, and the reason I compare it to South Africa is, with all the trouble that's happened in South Africa over the last couple of a couple of centuries, etc. When I've worked there, one of the issues that I've always had with it 
is I look at the streets, I look at the, the lower paying jobs, and they're all taken up by black people. Then in the meetings that I was in, because we're working in big business, the, the, the further you get up the chain, the black people disappear. Mm. I think you get to about the fourth ring of the business, and it's no longer it's no longer South Africa. It may as well be the Netherlands. Yeah. And I think when I was working over there, I, think, I mean, South Africa is a 93% majority black um, country, I, I believe it is. It's something, something as high as that. And I worked with one black exec mm. in one of the largest banks in that country. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. And I didn't see that in Kenya. Yeah. Obviously, I wasn't working whilst I was there, and I know that there are a lot of white people that live in Kenya. But at the same time, it was just so refreshing to see. So amazing to experience that with my family. And I think the, there was a moment when we were in New York, and we were just walking around and just going places and you, you pointed out the exact same thing. Yeah. You know, we were going to all these, you know, shops and all these food pl places and it was just black people or Hispanic people serving yeah. us. And then you, it was just a real, it's a real humbling moment for me mm -hmm. because you, we kind of just, we expect it in the UK. Yeah. Like I'm in Newcastle. I'm not, I walk into a room and if there's other black people there, it's a nice surprise. Yeah. Um, especially, obviously I was an academic and now I work in tech and it's just kind of, like this week we've just a new guy started um shout out joe and he's a he's a black lad and it was so funny when uh i went over to introduce myself to him because he he had like his head down i was like oh hi i'm nate and he looked up and you could see there was a brief moment where he's like yeah like that, that moment of wait a minute did the handshake um did the handshake <laughs> that the head nod the eye contact oh, just yeah i'm with you brother <laughs> we're in this shit together now but no it's just that it's that it's a real strange sense and once you become aware of these things you can't unsee it mm -hmm. um so it's just amazing to to hear that and yeah definitely something i've you know i've not been to an african country so it's something i want to experience. i mean it's it's a start i've just dipped my toe in the water that's yeah. literally it. i mean yeah. i've been south africa and kenya yeah. i need to go to the west coast there's so many countries that i need to visit just because i mean the the difference in culture as you would expect given how vast these countries are yeah was quite significant yeah and i think it was really important for my little brother as well because being a mixed race kid, he's very, very light-skinned. I mean, a lot of people think he's white. Um, going to see a different culture that is more familiar with the culture that his Jamaican family is is involved in, uh, have been raised around, it was, it was amazing for him. And just seeing him being 18 years old, hasn't really been exposed to anything mm -hmm. too dissimilar to where he's from. Yeah. The humbling nature of it all, mm -hmm. seeing people living in completely different, uh, different means to, to how we have uh, how we've been brought up it's it's something that I just urge everyone to do at some stage it's just it's it's an amazing experience not if you're just gonna sorry I was gonna say just, just don't go if you're gonna go in sort of sponge bath poor kids and then oh god oh, stop all around. that stop all but, that um, it, hashtag it, it, white saviour <sighs> well one of the best things to, just I mean, sorry just, just before we go into that Dan so Half of our trip was on a safari and we had a, a guide that was from Nairobi and just the conversation that we had with him, we learned so much about the Kenyan economy, the real issues that go beyond what we see on the television, what we see in the news and what was really, really good for me to see um, and in speaking to Charles, shout out Charles, is the amount of technology within that country i mean everything in kenya right now can be paid for on a mobile phone uh -huh. they've got this the, the, the mobile payments thing is wild yeah uh, m-pesa yeah. you can pay for anything in any store over a mobile uh -huh. just the entrepreneurialism uh -huh. it's 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 amazing to see all these people 
um, just just starting new trends, starting technological trends. It's they are so much more advanced than I think York, a lot of us take for granted. New York doesn't even have contactless payments. They don't. You to, no. you to Bro, Kenya. you swipe one place, chip and pin the next place. Yeah. It was I was getting so frustrated. And literally, there's people like just you're just sending someone like fifty p just yeah. for like, for a bottle of water. It's unbelievable. So just just to explain the the actual tech, every phone, every account has its own ID number. ID number. And if you give someone an ID number, they can send you some money just across a table. You go into a restaurant, you go into a post office, any store, the numbers above the uh, above the reception, it's above the till, mm-hmm. send some money. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. And these are the little things, I mean, when you, <laughs> I know there was the whole thing with Comic Relief recently. When you look at that side of Africa, you think, well, they're so far behind. I mean, I look at my hometown, home village of home for <laughs> the certain bars of restaurants that I can't pay with card in there. Cash is king. It's, it's mental. And yet when I'm in Kenya... Laundering. I'll take the tax man. I'm using paper notes up there, man. <laughs> I owe you. No polymer <laughs> No, honestly, you, you go in, as, as we say in Jamaica, woi woi, you're in the back end of nowhere and you're still paying for things on your mobile phone. Proper bush, proper bush. So it's crazy for me, because obviously I work in tech, and um, really, a lot of my no research, never, <laughs> a lot of my research was a, uh, around like emerging economies and emerging markets. Yeah. And one thing we have in, say, like the UK and Britain is, we went through this whole era of like dial-up, computers, yeah. desktop computing, Whereas the emerging markets is straight to mobile, straight, straight to, to mobile, mobile. And, and and it's such a fascinating thing for me because I've uh, I've been reading a lot about the west coast of Africa's tech scene. Yeah, it's doing some incredible things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, around the financial tech. Um, the one thing that does worry me about these uh, the kind of developments of of Africa and the infrastructure is who owns it. China. Exactly, and it's that it's that. You know, you're not going to get Japan. the development without the payoff, but it's this idea that they're just basically China wrote them a blank check. So yeah, we're going to do all uh, this. It's and just, it's just, a it's just a game, though, isn't it? Time, it's just a game. They're just doing what the UK did. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Yeah, yeah man. It's just modern colonialism, isn't it? So what? What Charles said to me, which which really it struck a chord, was he was talking about the the train, the, the rail line that they're developing in Kenya at the moment. I think they have reduced the transit time from Mombasa to Nairobi by something like 80%. Mm. So goods are flowing through the country so much quicker Crazy. now. The infrastructure's better. There's all these amazing things that China have brought with them. But then he said, I just wonder at what price we're going to be exactly. auctioned off at exactly. at the end of it. Mm-hmm. There's a similar thing going on uh, in Tanzania as well. Where yeah. sort of yeah. having a train line. So Tanzania, is, is it's an interesting country where... They have they alternate between Muslim and Christian rules. So I think yeah. they have five or ten years of each. And like the current guy, he's done really well, sort of root out corruption, and he's now like with like for a, a, a small thing is if you go to Africa, you'll know you drive on the roads, you hit a roadblock, oh you've got to pay a toll, yeah, you've yeah. got to pay a fine, or this happens all the time. Previously they take it in cash. Now he the way he got around this was like right okay. They, it was they use tech for the solution. So you mm. go on a computer and you pay the the person. So they, it's not now. It's now not possible for them to do that anymore. Yeah. yeah. Because they have to. These they can give you a ticket, but you've now got to do it. There's no facility for them to take cash a, anymore. Mm. So that he did it. He went around. The people didn't like it. But of course not. Through that, suddenly, the revenues are going up like. Hundred, two hundred percent because yeah, they're actually yeah, yeah. taking cash and it's actually making it into the system, mm. and they're now building this railway. But obviously, the, the problem is now people saying that builds trust in the sort of local the, the system among among people there. But they know ten years, like five years time, the rules going to change over. Yeah. So is the other person going to still want to do that? But throughout that, like you say, they're in 
you end up you're still in hock to whoever provided you the funding. Exactly. So exactly. it's 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 such it's such a huge sort of place Africa that you you see they they have to find different each country has to find different so they're not they're not united at all in such a big area that they've got to find different ways to sort of manage that mm. sort of yeah. progression given what's happened to the continent at large and how it's been sort of decimated exploited in the past and you know it's it's going to take time in some places the worse than others you see like the most advanced place who all you people say South Africa is in the most trouble because yeah. they had their own the disparity each, each yeah. different place has got its own problems and sort of tackling it in different ways so mm. But amazing it's, place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I urge everyone to to look online at uh, a scale map oh, of Africa yeah. if, you've, if you've not done it. That just a little nice little trick. It'll blow your mind. It would. Absolutely. <laughs> did it feel as someone that's kind of grew up with a black face and a white space? Did it feel weird being in the majority, kind of just everywhere you look, to just kind of being, for want of a better word, normal? It didn't feel weird. It felt different, but that feeling of difference subsided very, very quickly. And it, it's weird to say that you feel at home because I didn't feel at home, mm. but I just felt very, I felt welcome. I felt, it felt right. Um, and, and you do also get a, a slight sense of regret because it's kind of, well, this is what life could have been. Should have. Should have been perhaps, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's just, it, it's beyond humbling. There's so many different thoughts and feelings that go through your mind. There's one of real sadness as well. When you look at, I mean, going on holiday to Africa, anywhere in Africa isn't cheap. Um, and you feel privileged that you're able to pay to go and see it, but you feel as though I shouldn't have to pay so much to come and see this. And it's it's a real it's a real challenge because then you also look at the conditions that a lot of people live in and you you speak to them you see how happy they are, how mm. satisfied they are, how fulfilled they are. And it is it, it does kind of hurt in a way that they have to live in a certain way, but they're happy. And, and I've had this in Jamaica as well, speaking to relatives, speaking to old family friends, and they're so welcoming. They are, they're so interested as well about our own experiences. And that's one of the questions that I got quite a lot yeah. um, about what it's like living in the UK, being a massive minority yeah. and there's so much that we can learn from each other yeah. and, and I just I, I hope that I mean it, it sounds pretty futile but I hope that they're able to take away a few little tidbits of information from me that would act, that would actually help them because I learned so much from the people that I spoke to yeah yeah, I, I had similar things I was there two years ago um, I was in Malawi and I was still there for a family funeral and I've written about this on the on the blog and it it, it took me I'd say three days to fully it was weird because I was there. I was there for a funeral, so there was a lot, sort of, a lot of different emotions, competing emotions. But it took me three days to fully, sort of, give myself into this sort yeah. of this experience because I'd come from London. I was living on my own. It's just I'd, I'd come from work. I was there with my mum, and she's she was just. It was my mum's brother, so my uncle Kirby, who I'd never met. So she was like, overcome with grief, and the whole thing was quite overwhelming. So. After the three days, I was, I was sleeping in. I was in like, in this room. There was three beds, two single beds, one double bed. I was in one. I was sort of top and tail with my uncle in one of the double beds, and then there was two lads sleeping in the other single beds, uh, each. And then there was four cousins on the floor. And like the first night, I remember like the first night I actually slept outside, which was mad. And then the second night, I was in this room. I was like, this is crazy. I'm, li I'm literally living in this flat in Wandsworth on my own. This is 
intense. By the third night, I was like, this is amazing. Mm. This is amazing. I'm here like with my cousins. We just like, I was just, I was so at peace. And once I'd sort of given in and, and re sort of retuned myself into mm. that sort of wave, wavelength, um, it was, it was an unbelievable experience. Like, like saying, like they were just, what hit me was, was sort of how, how sort of proud they were of me. Yeah, like yeah. I, I, my mum speak, speaks to my cousins in Africa like all the time, my uncles all the time. I don't speak very often at all. It's terrible for her. To be honest, I don't speak to my mum like that much by the text or phone. And that's, it's not, I, that's one of my main sort of failings and something I'm trying to improve. But yeah, how sort of proud of me, how interested they were in what I was doing and how much they was like, you are sort of representing us and we're really proud of you. And, it, and, it's, and it's amazing. It won't, it was an amazing thing that it fundamentally sort of changed my outlook on what I was doing in terms of work and mm -hmm. just the the smallest things which I wouldn't have even sort of noted mentally or like things I'd achieved or things I was trying to do it it really gave, it gave me an extra motivation it, it it is in the forefront of my mind now when I start embark on something new or mm. I give something up it's like okay yeah. this isn't just for me, I'm doing this for other people. Sense of perspective. I've got that sort of yeah. opportunity. And I think you, you mentioned it there, this idea of like, you know, representing the family. Mm. I think it's something I've never been to um, to Africa or to experience something quite as, as I think, emotive and, and visceral as that. But it's interesting, this idea of, you know, the family being proud and you, know, you, you being a shining role model. And it's just, I don't know. It's kind of, when I speak to, you know, guys like yourselves, it's, it's a given. Mm. like it's a role we've all either just adopt we've had to take yeah. because of one reason or another or it's just it's just the norm you know whether we're the older the older people and older members of the family or of the generations of the family yeah. there's just this expectation and i just find it fascinating because what i'm getting from these two trips is this idea of humility and gratefulness mm -hmm. and i think some something i'm definitely focused on at the minute is being grateful and yeah. being humble like I always say to people, I'm not modest one bit, but this bring this humility and this gratefulness to everything, and it helps when you widen yeah. your expand your horizons. Which for me, hearing about your brother going to see all this, that's amazing. Yeah. Because instantly, his perception of the world has now become exponentially greater. You yeah. know, it, it, he's been exposed to, like you say, environments where people that not just look like him are darker than him, mm -hmm. are able to thrive yeah. professionally as everyday people. And I think, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things, you know, when Joel started at work, he's like, I was seeing another guy, just yeah. another guy working in tech. I mean, the, the, way, I mean? Uh, well, the way that I look at it is, when you just touched on the family point there and, and representing on a wider scale, I think when you are a global, in a media perspective, a global minority, mm -hmm. um, not in terms of obviously the actual population of the earth, when you are underrepresented on that scale, the sense of family is widened to the nth degree because you're no longer just representing your small little family circle, you're representing so many different people. And very similar to you, Dan, as well, when I was, I think it was the last time I worked in South Africa, I was doing a presentation um, and I was speaking to some of the people that I presented to afterwards and they were saying just how amazing they found it because I was representing my company, yeah. leading a team and the rest of the team was white. Yeah. And these guys were saying, I've never actually seen that. I didn't know that it was possible for a black person to be leading 
this many white people. I, I've, I've never seen that before. They were blown imagine away that. by it. Imagine. For them, that was something that is completely intangible because yeah. never seen it. the white man is king. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you are able to, I mean, that's that's a tiny little bit of, I mean, it sounds like I'm, I'm blowing my own trump here, but that's one bit of hope that I gave to someone because this this young guy, is, his name is Mishak from South Africa. He's a similar age to me. Um, very, very aspirational. He's got so many different things that he wants to achieve in his life. Mm. And he said, I mean, I, I learned a hell of a lot from him, but he said that I've shown him something that he didn't think was possible. Yeah. And I wish that it was more easily achieved in South, Afri South Africa than it, it will be. Because let's be honest, the odds aren't great for him in South Africa. But he at least knows that that's a possibility now. And it, it's, it's tough to explain just how important I find that kind of thing. I, I think it's, I, yeah, I think it's for me, it's a tough one because it's, it's like, it's like, do I have this responsibility? Do I have this responsibility? Do I want this responsibility? Nobody wants it. I think it, nobody wants it. And, yeah. and, and it's interesting because I was having a talk with one of the guys at work around kind of, you know, this idea of leadership and where what real leadership comes from. And, and, and kind of for me, um, it comes from, you know, unwanted responsibility. Mm. You know, you ha you're forced to grow. And, you know, whether it's through adversity in early life or whatever, or through just trying to figure out and solve, you know, where you want to go in life, that's hard hard enough for anyone. Mm. Just kind of where, how do people deal with it and how do people, like what relationship do you have with this idea of being a role model? Because it's something for me that for years and years, it was just a given. I got two younger brothers, you know, Nate set the example, be the good big bro and, and do this and that. But then now I'm in this position, a very fortunate position where I'm almost now, you know, taking on this responsibility to, not be a role model, but just to be visible. Yeah. And I think that's how I'm taking it now because I don't want the pressure of having to be a role model and do all these things, but I understand the position I'm in yeah. and I understand how fortunate I have been and how different my life could have been. Mm. And for me, I think the relationship I have with it now is just, no, just be visible for the people that, like I was speaking to, to Byron before the, the podcast, like what do you guys do? What, what's the aspiration? And for me, it's just rest, you know, it's representation. Mm -hmm. I want my youngest brother to be able to understand that there is people that have lived his life, similar life experience, who are doing these things, um, and that it is quite simply possible. Yeah. You know, where else do you hear it? And I think that's it for me. It's just be visible, show them it's possible, and be human. And I think coming back to Stormzy, that's what I love about him. Yeah. And I think he said it in an interview, like, I just want everyone to know I'm a human, mm -hmm. you know, not a superhero, not, you know, not, not some crazy superstar. He's a human just like the rest mm. of us. And if he can do it, you know, so can you. Well, you hit the nail on the head when you said it's all about gratitude as well. <laughs> Learning that in getting to where you are, there are a million different obstacles which could have stopped you at any stage mm -hmm. down that line. And whether it's a family influence, the friends that you've got around you, there's all these different factors that have basically put you where you are on this particular day exactly and when you are brought to this position it's okay so just looking back and and making sure you you give thanks internally yeah. but then also recognizing the people that got you there yeah. i think that's one of the things that really struck a chord with me whilst i was in kenya mm. it was that through a different a myriad of different factors historically i could have been right there as well and and those guys are very happy with the lives that they've got to a certain degree, uh -huh. just as we are very lucky to have a lot of the opportunities we've had and, and just honestly just giving thanks whenever you can. Yeah, I mean, what's sort of, it's important to remember, it's, it's, I view it in the same way I view sort of like the animal kingdom. So people think, a lot of people think 
the end goal of animals is to be is human evolution is human we are the apex well no we're just it's just one different branch mm-hmm. of a tree yeah so had you stayed had you like slavery not happened or whatever and you'd be remained in africa n- might nothing might have changed like, yeah. I, like i've got count i've got cousins who eventually managed to come to the europe like they either got scholarships or they found a way and they still went to university and they still qualified or they went to university elsewhere like life it's it, it would have just been a different life yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i mean it's it's like when at the same time when they say like people in africa like and family members are, p- are proud of me like it's not like oh it's not a case of putting me on a pedestal it's just yeah. like they've mm-hmm. just got a different outlook exactly. in where that they're yeah. just proud of everyone yeah and they they didn't see me like that much like oh you heard, you heard you're doing really well like you've got this job like it's, it's great it's i think they take they tend to take my family members over there it's a, a more sort of holistic view of everything like it's they don't they don't get stuck down the minutiae of like yeah. the day-to-day and things going well or things going not it's like yeah. no it's it's in the in the context of of, of life like yeah. things are going well for him and i think that's something which I, i've i've tried my hardest to sort of to take on myself like you can't don't be so up and down about things yeah you can't take a long-term view and you know I think you've nailed it. I think to that, the most important thing that people can take away from going to Africa, especially I think black people, even more so when you've grown up in a place similar to where we have, Mm. is just the image of Africa that you're fed from a very, very young age. The media, it's so warped. It looks, and I mean, Kendrick Lamar spoke about it on one of his songs where you see all this, the the little beady-headed babies, as he calls them, and they're impoverished. That's one view of Africa. That is not the view of Africa. And when you go there and you see these thriving metropolis, you see these people that are flourishing, that's the side of Africa that needs to be represented. And that is one of the things that I've taken away. And I'll never forget. I'll never forget. Yeah. So, uh, it's sort of time for us to wrap up. What was the coffee like? Bang in. Oh, Where'd you go, Mama? What's it? Huh? Mama no, V's. I'm guessing you went in Kenya. Oh, in, oh the Ken- oh, Kenya, Blue Mountain. Yeah, no, Java. Yeah, oh, Blue Mountain, Jamaica. Yeah. Oh, it's Kenyan as well. I was going to say, I thought the coffee would have been popping. It's cheaper in Kenya. <laughs> but yeah, fantastic. So, we've covered a lot of ground there, boys. I think we've had a, it's been an excellent session. Oh, sounds song. so crisp. Crisp. Yeah, shout out the lab. Yeah, shout out the lab and the guys here. Um, as ever, what songs would you to <laughs> <laughs> this, this ep? We have got what Disney song would you secretly listen to and not tell anyone? Um, so I I was pre pre warned about this one. And yeah, yeah. I've, for me, it has to be uh, Zero to Hero Hercules. It's just a guilty pleasure of mine. I just I love that. Mm. I love it. I love mm. it. It's just okay. uplifting. It's good. <laughs> it's fun. Jello, what you got for us? Um, I would. Go for everyone wants to be a cat, Aristocats. Quality, yeah, that's just unbelievable. Quality. I'm a huge fan personally, and it's it's right on theme. Given we've been talking about Lion King, I really mess with "Be Prepared" by Scar. Mm. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of very negative imagery in that particular <laughs> scene of the film. A lot that we'll not dive into now, but "Be Prepared," hold tight, Scar. Um, I'm not a huge Disney guy, to be honest. Never have been. Heard Walt Disney was a questionable man, <laughs> but um, <laughs> that's yeah, for another podcast. Well, first of all, the, the, the first song I thought is uh, See My Vest, and I was like, mate, that's the Simpsons, <laughs> <laughs> it's Monty Burns. So, Under the Sea, 
on brand. That was my second. That was my second. I, it's not even a guilty. I, I'm, I'm telling me like under the sea. Banger. Come at me. <laughs> Another one where they put an under fake patois. Or is it Crayola? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But it's, I think it's more Crayola than yeah. Patois. Yeah. I, I fundamentally don't really care. No. <laughs> 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 don't. But yeah, so. Um, Belter. Great chat, guys. I have been Daniel Chiwa. I have been Dom HT. I've been Nate Sterling. I've been the artist formerly known as Angelo Irving. Yeah. <laughs> Come at me, Bayhive. Yeah. <laughs> let's get at Black, Black Unicorn and let's get these numbers up. Let's get these numbers up. This, in fact, to be fair, he's got two articles on there which you're going to love, guys. Let's bring the side down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, until next time. Take it easy. Let's just keep